people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. We long to be loved, to understand, and to be understood. And guidance can help you to truly connect with people. Guidance is powered by a simple yet powerful engine: truth. Rogoshibendopojanshitina. 再起我很快。如果你活在谎言里，就没人能了解我是爱，真实的你。Hey projection booth i'm your host mike white on this episode i'm talking with nason sobani the director and co-writer of the film guidance guidance is one of my favorite types of sci-fi it is an exploration of a high concept and how it would affect the real world really cool stuff highly recommended available now through streaming platforms check it out and i hope you enjoy the interview so obviously I want to talk to you about guidance, but do you mind if you tell me a little bit as far as how you got into film and filmmaking? Filmmaking has always been a passion, but I, I didn't come to it straight away. So when we moved to China over a decade ago, I had the opportunity to start making some short films. I got to say the best kind of film school I went is the one I never went to because I didn't know that you're not supposed to just pick up a camera and start shooting and, and, and doing stuff. I didn't know you're supposed to have you know, you're a line producer and you're supposed to have your catering truck and you're supposed to have your dollies and all that. I said, man, we got a story. I, I got to let this story out and, and let's, okay, here's a DP, good friend of mine. Let's start shooting. So we just started shooting. You know, I was very lucky to have a great DP next to me who made everything look look amazing. And, and we are still working to this day together. So we started shooting some short films and, you know, one thing led to another. There was some success there. 
and it kind of became viral in China and, and, and then, you know, started picking up a good, I noticed it was transcending cultures as well. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I guess that's what it's supposed to do. So, yeah, I mean, I would say I consider myself first and foremost, a storyteller, then a filmmaker, and then a writer, and then a director. <laughs> so what has been your experience like making films in China? It's the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. I mean, it's, I wouldn't trade it. I want to get into a psychotherapy session here, but it, you know, it's, it's extremely challenging as a non, non-native Chinese, you know, to do that. Well, to get into film anyway, people say, you know, you got to be crazy to get into film. I mean, it's just doesn't make sense most of the time. When you start out, you're not doing it for profit. I mean, I, I don't know, you're just doing it because you have to release something within you. And so it's really just crazy, crazy thing to do. So, and to do it then in a kind of a foreign country, a language that's not my native language, although I did learn Chinese and I can get by and I can communicate and, and, and so on, but, you know, I can't, you know, I don't have advanced, super high level Chinese and, you know, I, I don't look Chinese, right? Now there's a lot of foreign directors, they call them ABCs over there, American born Chinese, who obviously are foreigners, but they're Chinese. They look Chinese and they speak the language far better than I do. And they obviously have a lot of challenges as well. You know, at the same time, it was, it was an advantage also to be kind of Middle Eastern diaspora filmmaker. I felt like a, a guest that was honored there, that was, you know, taken care of. And in that sense, it was, it was wonderful. And the Chinese are really an incredible group of people. So, so yeah extreme challenges, but extreme rewards as well. How did guidance come about? I started writing what I, at that time was considered, I think to this day, I still consider this, like, this is the ultimate film I want to make. And I was writing this, this script with all these ideas that were through my, running through my head. And one of the elements of this, one of the, only one of the small elements of this particular hard sci-fi screenplay I'd written, I felt, you know what, this deserved its own deserved its own attention. And it was, and there was too much happening in this story. Anyway, let's remove this, this element and put it in its own, let's, let's treat it, you know, on its own merits and, and explore it because it deserves it. And so that, that was the concept of omniscient entity or thing that you, that is within you that would guide you, you know, in the hopes of enlightening you and also, you know, it's a defensive thing and it's also an offensive thing, you know, offensive mechanism as well. And I thought, how would people deal with that? So, so it came from another story. And then I, I just took it out and, and um, about five years ago, started developing it. I really love that. It's such a big story, but you handle it with just a few characters. It's kind of that core sci-fi, almost end of the world type of thing, where you have the three main characters and the way that they interact with each other. I really appreciate that. Look, when you're constrained by budget, you you um, you want you 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 still want to be able to tell your story, and so you you try to find ways of still doing it. I think that was really a blessing because it allowed us to to experiment. This, to me, really, this is an experimental film. I don't know if people quite pick up on that, but it's very experimental in many ways. I you know we did rehearse the hell out of it when we were beforehand because you know we had very limited time you know, at the locations. And so we, we spent months and months with the actors working on delivery and, and just, and, and everything. Right. But, but at the same time, we let a lot of room for collaboration, experimentation, 
with all the key members of the group. So yeah, having a core group of people, as you say, contain drama, not too many locations and three characters really helped us flesh things out. Tell me about those locations because it looks beautiful. And just, I think that the buildings play such a, a large part of it. Yeah. They're almost like a, you know, they're almost like a character in the story, aren't they? They play just as, as you say, a very important role. Again, this is, you know, they talk about, you know, as much as I love sci-fi, I also really enjoy mysticism. You know, I feel almost they're almost two sides of the same point, you know. And so even the the filmmaking process and securing locations, all that, to me, was a very mystical, magical thing that happened. So we were very fortunate, but almost I felt it was, we were destined that we were able to secure some of these locations. And they were all in, in Beijing. Each of them was within maybe 45 minutes of my place. And so one was in a downtown area of Beijing. Another one was 45 minutes to the north in the mountains. And most people don't even realize it. They think a lot of the, the locals who watch the film go, oh, where is this in Italy? Which, which village is this? And I'm like, no, this is actually in your backyard. They don't didn't know such a thing really existed. And the home, we were very lucky. You know, it's one of those things, a friend of a friend. And then, you know, I had a chat and he'd never met me. And I said, look, we're trying to do something really special here, experimental. We're trying to push art into science fiction, into something, you know, et cetera, et cetera, for the market. And, and I had a big long chat and he, in the end he goes, okay, you know what, you can, you can use my home. And in fact, that home was the home that, what he told me, I don't know, but that was where when Kill Bill was shooting a portion of their scenes in China, I believe the producer and Tarantino stayed in that home. Uh, it's quite, that's a little fun fact. Tell me more about your cast, because obviously so much relies on your main three people. Our female lead, Sunjia, incredible, you know, so dedicated to what she did. I mean, we spent almost half a year, five months, I would say, just every day going through the character and, and everything that's, you know, and a lot of stuff was left on the cutting room floor that was really incredible stuff, but we just had to kill your darlings, as they say. She's incredibly talented. She was in uh, she played a, a significant role in Zhang Yimou's film Flowers of War with Christian Bale, which at the time was, I think, touted as one of the first kind of Chinese slash English kind of co-production, something you know major like that. And so she played a role in that. She's unrecognizable. If you go look at her, then you won't recognize her in that movie compared to this movie. She she had to gain quite a lot of weight for the for that one in Flowers of War. She looks totally different here. And then her, the two male leads are actually um, foreign-born Chinese. One is from Australia, Harry, and the other one, uh, Harry Song. And then Francesco Chen is Italian, actually. So uh, again, very fortunate um, just through casting calls. So I imagine there's got to be a wide variety of languages being spoken on set. How are you handling, because I know, you know, but are you still having to rely on a translator for more of the subtleties? Yeah. But you know what? We'd worked out quite a lot of the stuff, like I said, in, in, in rehearsals for in the months leading up to it. And I've had a lot of uh, one-on-one conversations with the lead actress, especially because, I mean, she really carries a film. She's almost in every, every scene. And so her, if we could get her, kind of core character down and everything else gets anchored, you know, that's the anchor. Everything else gets hooked to that. We spent a lot of time 
you know, speaking in Chinese directly with each other before shooting ever started. So when the time came to shoot, yeah, you know, if I had to communicate something, I would do it if I could in Chinese, pretty much, you know, I would say half the time something, if something was a little bit more complicated or nuanced, but, you know, at that point, we were so used to working together that I didn't even have to just we'd get, I'd give a look. We should get a look and be like, okay, yeah. We'd kind of transcended language to a certain extent at that point. Yeah, it was very, it was very beautiful. Of course, the other two leads spoke perfect English. Uh, so that wasn't a, uh, too much of an issue. Yeah. I absolutely loved the graphic design of the guidance system once it was ingested and used. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that came about and who was your designer on that? Again, the whole thing with with indie films like this, well, actually, I don't know. I, I assume maybe I'm wrong, but it's really a collaborative effort. And so there was a lot of decisions to be made. But even before you get to the kind of the look of it, you have to get to the, the rationale and the logic behind it. So we had to create an entire sci-fi. You would appreciate this. You, you know, this, the thing is building a, a new world is, is not easy. And so the rationale behind what's happening, you know, before you even put pen to paper, why is it happening? But before that, the app, how does the app work? How does the whole thing, you know, and why is, when does it actually, does it light up? Do you see something? Does it say something when it says something? What does it say? How does it say it? And what languages are you seeing it? Is it bilingual? <laughs> Will it look weird to the audience in bilingual? We went down the bilingual route. But you know, all these things had to come into play even before you came to designing the way, you know, kind of it looked like. But the guidance system, forget about the NIS system, the nano integrative system, which is, you know, your your quantum computing, AI, and nanotechnology together. And how's that actually working? But how the app works, we had to treat it and talk to designers, you know, and how does it, how is this going to work? When does it say something? When does it alert you when someone is being deceitful? Is it only a deceit? Does it give you a percentage? Does it, you know, what levels are there? How many levels are there? We spent, oh my God, for two years that we're still having debates and arguments with some of my co-writers to, if you talk to them now, they'll still say, no, there are no such thing as levels. It's just one thing. And I'm like, no, there is levels. And, you know, and so it was, extremely difficult, but we came to a stage where we figured out how the thing would work. Like we actually designed such thing as if it existed. And then after that actually became, became very easy. Once you know that, then it's like, yeah, you know what? It's not going to constantly talk at you. It will kind of give you a little bit of a little hail over someone or just, you know, and you could also calibrate that if you want, but you know, we're not dealing with just Two, two, three people talking to each other. We're dealing with an audience looking at people talking to each other. So how's that going to look, right? So we have to make it as non-intrusive as possible, as you know, as fluid and simple as possible, but extreme complexity in that kind of simplicity of design. So that this is what we kind of ended up with. Yeah. Also for the sake of the audience too, to help them. Yeah. It's one thing to be the user of the app. It's another to be an observer of the user of the app. Yeah. And so we put ourselves in the shoes of the other characters looking at it as if we're them. And we're hoping the audience will suspend belief and go, okay, that's that's kind of what they're seeing. But also I didn't want the, you noted, you know, I didn't want the sci-fi elements to overtake what is really a human drama. You know, that's very much. And so we thought very long and hard. In fact, up until the editing process, you know, I had maybe 10, 15 more shots where this thing was lighting up saying truth, truth. And I thought this is, no, it doesn't make sense. Let's just have it as a, it only alerts you if someone is lying, you know, which only will happen a few times in the film. 
So, yeah, because people catch on, they're like, well, if I'm going to get away with it. Might as well say the truth, you know? Did I rewrite that you released this on Singles Day last year? That's right. Yeah. The distributor in China, of they took a risk. I mean, look, I got to hand to them. This type of film has not come out in, in, in China before this at all. So we're, we're really just trying to figure out how this is going to work. So yeah, they decided to Singles Day. Did that work or not? I don't know. I mean, they, they actually had in the posters, do not take your significant other watch this film. You may break up, you know? And actually, I think some people took that to heart. Like they actually, people came to me and said, I'm actually concerned. I'm not going to go watch it with my husband or wife or boyfriend. Yeah, with my, my significant other. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because look at it. It's so, uh, well, that's kind of a joke. Like, yeah, which I think, I don't know if your audience knows, but it's, it's a celebration of being single. It's the opposite of Valentine's Day, November 11th. So one, 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 one. And now it's coming out in the States. I believe it's being released June 17th this year. That's right. Not just states, but I think worldwide, we're going most territories internationally. Yeah. Where is the best place to keep up with you and your work? For everything I've said, I'm actually very, uh, I don't have much of a footprint online. That's the weird thing about me. I'm kind of like a ghost, you know, but being in China kind of took me in that direction because none of those applications are available. And so that's not an excuse, but it was, but it is an excuse for me not to get on them. And plus it, they would take, I know myself, they would take way too much of my time. And I couldn't write you know, honestly, it's not healthy. So the, maybe the easiest thing, guidancefilm.com is where news of this project is going on. And other than that, I guess, yeah, if you just punch my name into, into Google, there'll, there'll be other things that will pop up. But, but uh, I, I feel like I should let my projects and work speak for themselves. So when a new project comes out, then, you know, people will, see it or maybe someone will finally convince me to get on one of the social media sites and I'll, I'll do that are you already working on your next one i am yeah we're doing a been working for a couple of years now on a series based on the same concept of the film so the series takes place in the city whereas the film takes place in the countryside so then we get to see the entire city and how it works and we get to see though in those same three to five days how the city and the population is dealing with the introduction of the NIS and guidance. And we, we follow a core of family as they deal with, with that. So we see how politicians, actors, car salesmen, insurance salesmen, police officers, what happens when we all have guidance, you know? So we kind of use that as an entry point into some very interesting stories. Nason, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. 